Welcome back to another episode of Meet the Creatives. Today I am here with Ben Kirchner. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Rob. This is good. I love your work. When I first, I think the first thing I saw of yours was somewhere on the internet. I think it was the uh, Joe Biden kind of like wrestling a full size uh, coronavirus, yeah. yeah, COVID thing there, and that was really. I was like, wow, this is so awesome, and um, I have been on a quest for people that work in sort of that editorial illustration sort of thing during, uh, we were talking before the podcast about, you know, the sort of the, the COVID lockdown and, and having this yeah. sort of time. I, uh, I subscribe to all these different papers and all these different, the, the bills are really starting to add up now, but like, oh, you know, yeah. the, the, the yeah. New York times and the Washington yeah. post and the New Yorker and all this stuff. And I've just, I have a love for those sort of illustrations and, when I saw that thing that you did, you did it for the, I think that was for the Washington Post, correct? Yeah, that one was the New Yorker, that one. Oh, the New Yorker. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, it came to my house. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, That's you're cool. right. It's funny, that image, actually, because that that seemed to get a really good reaction. And you never quite know how something's going to go down. I think when you're working on it, obviously, you're into it and you like it. But but sometimes you just don't know. And you send it out there and you put it on Instagram or whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's anybody's guess, but for some reason that, and I didn't really necessarily think people would, would, would like that image, but, but it seemed to be one that was, was more popular, I think because it was just quite, quite extreme and, and a bit over the top. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's the, some of the relief that people have about the new administration. I don't know, but it just yeah. seemed to be a better vibe with that one. Yeah. I think what, what really came across when I saw it was it sort of captured the sort of chaos that is covid as as well as like the notion that just like joe biden would just this kind of like skinny old man would just come <laughs> just come at yeah, like, this monumental task and i yeah, sort of yeah. my, my wife is a uh, i always kind of use her as like a litmus test to see what she th she's a, not a designer she's a, a teacher yeah. so i yeah. like to I, I, sometimes i'll ask her when we're like going to the new yorker or whatever yeah. i'll show her something and sometimes she'll be like eh, i don't know but she really liked that one and she yeah. kind of liked sort of the um you cap it was kind of like a caricature of him sort of like this lanky yeah. figure kind of wrapped around it so um but that's just one of the many uh things that i love of your work um i also love the work for kamala harris and um you've worked for a variety of different magazines but i guess let's just take it from the top you know how did um you find your love of illustration did you start out pencil and paper was it digital and then yeah and then down the road, I want to find out how you do that sort of epic style. I'm going to try and oh, yeah, yeah. pipe no, in some of your good. secrets today. Yeah, no, that sounds good. Um, yeah, I guess it depends how far back you want to go. But I think I always liked drawing as a kid. Do you know what I mean? I think most illustrators you talk to, they'll say they just, you know, from the, from the get-go, that that's what they enjoyed doing. Um, I found as a teenager, I started... I went to see a pop art exhibition, you know, like lots of sort of people do or teenagers do in this country. It's something that's taught in art school, I think, pop art um, or not art school, but in, uh, you know, art sort of GCSE. So I went to see a show and it really had an impact on me. I think some of the artists, people like James Rosenquist and Peter Blake and uh, some of the painters that were just painting faces, because in pop art, you get a lot of, um, you just get a lot of representations of celebrities and, and people uh, and had a big impact on me. And I started painting uh, just portraits myself and it's something clicked. I found I really enjoyed doing likenesses. Um, yeah. And so when I, by the time when I got to university, I think 
uh, I was doing a graphic design degree. So initially was doing sort of typography and, and things like that, which didn't really, it wasn't so interesting to me, I think, because I always liked drawing people and faces and stuff. So there was an option to specialize in illustration in like the second year of my degree course. Um, and I took that and uh, I sort of started doing pen and ink drawings. I think it was just that those were the materials I had and I was doing portraits and sort of people and stuff. Um, but it wasn't very relevant to what was going on at the time. So when I was studying, this was in the late nineties. Um, and then it was all about, well, digital illustration was just starting to happen. So programs like Photoshop and uh, it was like Macromedia freehand. And I think Illustrator was just coming in uh, and you were just starting to see some really interesting illustration that was um, kind of utilizing the software in a kind of an exciting way in right. contrast to some of the sort of more traditional stuff that we we'd seen before that um and yeah my tutor said well why don't you take your, your pen and ink drawings into the scan them into the computer uh and just see what you can do on the computer with your work um and it all sort of clicked from there really i think for me I've, i found that working digitally was really exciting because you one of the things you could do was just you had, had almost infinite choice of color uh, and I remember that was quite mind blowing for me. Suddenly thinking, oh, actually, I really like putting different colors together. It's not really something I'd experimented with that much before. Um, and what I found at university was I, I sort of remembered that I enjoyed doing portraits and I started doing digital portraits. And I think I did portraits of, of like my classmates. And then I did the tutors, just like a whole kind of range of, of different people. Um, yeah, so that's, that's where I started. And then when I got to graduation, it was quite sort of lucky situation in that the guy that was moderating the course, so the guy that sort of came in externally to moderate the marks for our graduation, he ran an agency in London called the Heart Agency. Uh, his name was Daryl Reese. And, and so he really liked these portraits, these digital portraits that I'd done. I think because they kind of felt new, like they were quite clunky when I look back, they were kind of crude and quite rough around the edges, but they kind of because it was a new medium then, this was back in the late nineties, he liked um, he liked that aspect of them. And, and he sort of asked me to join the agency. And from that point, um, that's where my sort of illustration career started. Yeah. yeah. The, the digital illustration thing was a big thing for me. Absolutely. Yeah, I kind of had that same thing too. I remember when I, because I was in school for, I was a kind of the opposite of that. I was in, started in graphic design and then kind of my, my uh, I got, found outside of school, I found these illustrators and I found it really cool. And one of my favorite things to do, I, I discovered, I think at the time it was called Adobe Cooler and now it's Adobe Color, which is oh, sort yeah. of an, an interesting yeah. thing there. But uh, I found that I could upload pictures and I could take these things yeah. from like, you know, like Malika or whatever. And I would, I would just take these beautiful, a lot of times like these French illustrators, they had like the best uh, colors and some people yeah. from England as well. And I would, uh, upload these pictures and, and I would just fall in love with the color. And then eventually I kind of had this sort of restlessness of like, yeah, but I want to start drawing something with this. And then, and then I discovered, um, sort of, you know, like the Kyle Webster brushes and sort of working digitally. And I, I early on in, I think like 2008, 2009, when I was in high school, I'm showing how young I am here, but I remember the, um, the Wacom tablet was like, at the time, like relatively new technology, I, I'm assuming for my limited, <laughs> my yeah, limited yeah. worldview. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I remember like 
I experimenting with that and then kind of just putting that away for a while, then going to college and sort of being forced into these very like heady kind of classes. And then once I graduated and especially during the time of COVID, I really wanted to start playing around with drawing. So then I kind of like, I went to Michael's and I got these, that's a craft store here in the States. I don't know if you guys have Michael's, but I started, I got at some of like these, um, these, um, like animator workshop kind of things. And I tried to, you know, doing sort of like the, uh, the screwball type, um, animation things. And I couldn't do that. But then when I found, and I, and I got into Photoshop into something that sort of felt native, I remember those initial experiences with digital drawing. And I was yeah. like, Oh, like, this is so cool. And that's why, like, when I see someone like yourself, who is, um, doing these sort of digital, um, portraits of stuff like that. I was like, that's so cool. And it seems like something that I would want to get into, but, um, yeah. but also, and it's funny because initially when I first looked at your work, I'm like, Oh, I think that I could probably do something like that. But then I realized there's a lot more than what I see a lot of these days of, you know, people kind of just like using like the paint bucket tool and just filling in someone's face and then like drawing yeah. in like the eyes and something else. Like, you know what I'm, yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think it's more than that though, what you're doing. You know? Yeah. But the portraits I do, I mean, I think they're simple. It's funny those portraits because they've always been like, I do a few different things. So I do portraits, but then I also say, so which are, they're quite realistic, but I also do stuff that's like maybe more stylized little characters and stuff. Which like is the Biden like, thing is more like, caricature yeah, that's, stylized yeah, that's yeah maybe more caricature kind of stuff i can't do that else. i definitely can't yeah, do yeah, that yeah. <laughs> but um but the, the portraits i'm like i might have a chance with this i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah no but they're 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 pretty straightforward and i think it's always surprised me that i've still because i've been doing those for you know maybe in magazines and things i've been doing those for about at least 15 years or i mean i've been doing portraits for 20 years ever since i started illustrating professionally but yeah, and I always think these are gonna people are gonna get bored of these, you know, they're gonna which may still happen, but it surprises me they've kept going. And I think one of the reasons is they're just they are just really simple. I mean, they're just there's not much to them. So you can look at them and think, you know, that's that's you know, it's straightforward. I think they're easy to understand, they're very graphic, they're bold, they sort of work with type and they work on the page and things like that. But um yeah. But they're not super complex and i think that's what I, I like doing them actually is they're not i try not to get too intricate with them they're always quite sort of you try and keep them relatively simple i can't help but wonder when i see something like that like for example uh just one that i'm thinking of uh, off the top of my head like that kamala harris picture it's sort yeah. of like uh photorealistic and i was i was curious how much of it is referencing like a picture like are you referencing someone's portrait or are you taking a combination of people's portraits? Because yeah. I think that I, I know that I could probably take someone's portrait from a, a talented photographer and then sort of do like a tracing sort of job in Photoshop and then at, and then I would imagine it's sort of this addition and subtraction sort of thing, like what stays and what goes and simplifying, yeah. simplifying. Are yeah. you referencing something or are you doing this from your mind? How does that all work? Yeah, no, it's a good question. I mean, it varies from portrait to portrait, but I would say there is a combination of things going on. So, you, yeah, have, you have to have the photographs. You can't, you know, or I can't. I mean, I could not sit there and create a, a face or a or from memory draw, you know, Kamala Harris or, or whatever it is. So, yeah, right. you, you've got to have the reference material. Um, what's difficult is from like a licensing point of view, often yeah. uh, 
that was my other question too is the licensing yeah that's it you you know you can't necessarily unless the the publication has has bought the license to the photographer's photo right uh you, you you can't always just completely reference like one photograph so so you're right in that often you will take a few photos um and work from a few so I'll have maybe sort of three or four photographs up. And it might be that you, you draw somebody, but the, the expression's off. They want you just to make that person maybe smile yeah. a little bit more or just look a bit more friendly. Right. So you find a photo of, of them smiling and you kind of incorporate a bit of that into the expression. Yeah. So it's a mixture. I would say it's a mixture of, of uh, you usually work with a mixture of, of photo reference. Yeah. Is that over like, uh, is, is there like a layer? And I'm just trying to get an idea. Um, if someone were to try and just, cause I think it'd be like a really fun sort of creative exercise to try and, and, and do that. Yeah. Is, is it like a, um, like you, like you lower the opacity of the picture and then you're kind of like doing that digitally. Are you sketching this? How does that process work? It's a combination of things. I'm going to play this sort of secret recipe uh, card here and, and, and maybe not give too much away, but it's, yes, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's a combination. <laughs> of, it's a combination I, have to, of I have to try for the listeners. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's fair enough. And I think it's, you know, it's really interesting. I was talking recently with, I do a bit of teaching. I was talking with, with students about this. And I think it is interesting to, to talk about the process. And usually that's what people want to want to know about. I think yeah. with the portraits, it's a mixture. You know, I've tried different approaches. Um, when I first started out for quite a long time, I would have the photograph here and the, the, the blank page here. And I would just draw looking. So you're just looking and you're drawing. So it's a complete drawing right. exercise. Um, but I did start combining elements where you are sort of tracing over elements. I've tested that out as I've gone along. That sometimes works. It doesn't always work. That's the only thing. So sometimes you do that, you would assume you'll get a perfect likeness that looks just like the photograph, but a vector version. Yeah. But for some reason, it doesn't. It's almost like you've killed it as you've as you've as you've gone along, or you've taken the life out of it. You know what I right. mean? Yes. And. Um, or you maybe need to change the proportions or so it doesn't always work. So I, I kind of have come to a point where it's, it's a, you know, I'll be evasive, but it's a combination of combination of things, approaches that you take. There's some drawing, there's a bit of lining things up. Um, uh, yeah. That's, uh, that's good get, enough. To hopefully, get to some, <laughs> to hopefully get to something that looks like a lifelike representation of, yeah. uh, you know, of the person and yeah. doesn't break copyright rules or whatever it is, you know? Exactly. A lot of people who listen to this show are uh, in that design illustration space. I got a lot of DMs and questions about, you know, it's so cool that you interviewed this person, but I'm curious, you know, how do I get picked up by an, an agency? How do I get representation? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've heard two different kind of schools of thought. One of them is sort of like you just knock down the door and try and get on the radar. And then the other thing is like you get your freak on and they'll find you kind of thing. How did yeah. it happen for you? And what's your advice to somebody who's looking to find representation? Well, I think this is it. It's a, you know, it's, it's a question I get asked quite a lot. I was saying earlier on, I do a bit of teaching and, and students often ask me this. And I always feel like a bit of a fraud because like I was saying earlier on, I, I was quite lucky because it was a real sort of right place, right time thing for me because this Daryl Reese, the guy that was moderating the course that I was on when I was studying, he he, he sort of ran a heart agency. Um, and so I met him like that. It was just through chance in a way. And he liked my work and he asked me to join. So in that sense, I didn't have to actually do any of the, the hard work. It just things sort of came together 
um, and it just happened. So it feels difficult advising people because I didn't, you know, do that sort of knocking down doors and all of that. I think, you know, I think there's pros and cons to agencies. That's probably the first thing I, I would say to students or people starting out is there's pros and cons. And I think one thing I slightly feel like I missed out on is that um, learning to sort of promote myself. So, you know, going out, sending lots of kind of printed mailers out and promotional, getting my own promotional stuff printed up and sending it to uh, potential clients and phoning up and trying to take my portfolio around. And I've done that stuff, but, you know, that's often how illustrators get started. And I think it's a good sort of education in itself that, um, and teaches you a lot of skills. So part of me thinks it's probably good for illustrators to, to experience that because for a lot of illustrators, that's a key part of their career is the self-promotion side of things. Um, uh, but the obvious pros of, of being with an agency, I mean, for me, it was brilliant. And if it's a good agency, like Hart had a really, or have a really good reputation, you instantly by association, you you kind of have that bit of kudos that rubs off on you. Um, and obviously they're getting your work under the noses of much better clients than you might be able to get your own, you know, that you you might better approach yourself. Right. So you have those obvious pros. And I instantly found that I was sort of getting work um, and good jobs. So, so it's a good thing, but the competition's really high, you know? So if you've got an agency that say represents like sort of 30 illustrators or 20 or whatever it is, um, and they're not going to be getting rid of anybody anytime soon necessarily, then obviously it's tricky because they're just, you know, if they're not taking people on, they're not taking people on. Um, so the competition's quite high. I think, yeah. I mean, obviously if, if it's a way you really want to go and you, your work's sort of strong, uh, then it is about just trying to contact agencies uh, and showing them your work. So you can either do that via um, emails, but I think like you, we were talking a minute ago and obviously, if somebody's receiving a lot of emails uh, with sort of promotional stuff in there, it's easy to get lost in, in the pile there, but it's certainly one route you can take. And if you've got a strong image in your email, that's going to catch somebody's attention and then a link perhaps to your portfolio, um, then there's no reason why you shouldn't do that. You know, that's certainly one route. I think I was talking as well about, I mean, this applies to promoting yourself and, and trying to get work in general, but I think there's something about sending printed um, promotional material to, to potential clients or an agent that you want to join, an agency that you want to join. Because um, it shows that you've made a bit more effort. You know what I mean? So if you right. get sort of mailers printed up for your best bit of work, perhaps you you handwrite a note or you write a personal note to that agency, like really like your work and da 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 da. Um, that's a good way to get people's attention. And the other thing about printed material is that you would hope then somebody maybe puts your poster up on their wall or your little postcard on their wall and right. they might remember you. So there's certainly a lot of sense in doing that. And that can be a, a, perhaps a better way than, than an emailer or a digital mailer. Yeah. Uh, that can be sort of beneficial. So there is that those routes. And then of course, obviously you, you work on your own work and you hope that, that you get noticed, but that's perhaps slightly more abstract. One of the things that you just said that really kind of st stands out to me is sort of this idea of personalizing the message. And mm. I'll be the first to admit that I've, I've had times where I kind of just have a copy and pasted message. Um, a lot of the guests for the podcast, and it's not that I'm um, sort of like blanket emailing people, but mm. you know, the, what I, what it is that I'm intending to do is the same. 
So the pitch a lot of times is exactly the same and you've seen it. It's, it's not, it's not anything that's that crazy. It's just like, I have a genuine interest in, in meeting this person. So mm -hmm. I have like a, a message that I send. It's like, you know, this is my podcast. It seeks to bridge the gap between. It's funny because mm -hmm. people are always like, what are you saying? You're, you're like, how are you getting these people? Like, what are you saying? It's almost like less is more kind of thing. Like yeah. it's, it's essentially just like, I have this podcast, like you're really cool. Like you seem to be like crushing it and doing an awesome job. Let me know yeah. if you're interested. Thanks. Yeah. And that usually tends to work. But, yeah. um, as we were discussing off mic, there's a certain level at which sometimes you need to be more personalized because even though my intention is pure that I genuinely do want to meet whoever I'm messaging, yeah. sometimes there needs to be a little bit more personalization to it. And I think one of the misconceptions that people have is it's like, oh, well, like they didn't get it. It's like, mm, they probably got it. Like most people read like everything that they get mm -hmm. and they're, they may genuinely forget. But yeah. for the most part, it's like, I always ask people, they're like, oh, like they, well, they didn't get it. It's like how many times, and I asked them, I'm like, how many times did you check your phone today? Like, trust me, yeah. they got it. It may have yeah. gotten lost in the shuffle, but they got it. If yeah, John yeah. Mayer, if John Mayer reached out to them, they would see yeah. it. Like, you know, they would get that kind of thing. But yeah. I realized that you sort of have to sometimes, if you're having difficulty getting in touch with somebody, being true about your intentions, even if that's, hey, I have no like similar to like me and you. I was, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. But it would be really cool to one day do something like you're doing. That's actually better off than this. I, I get yeah. these pitches sometimes for the podcast. They'll be like seven paragraphs long about right. all these accolades that someone's done or whatever. And yeah, that usually yeah. doesn't work. Um, yeah. We were talking about Lawrence Juber. I messaged him and I was like, my dad is your biggest fan. And yeah. I will be a hero to you if I can get yeah. you on the podcast. I know you get and, – and sometimes I get downright ridiculous with it. And there's, and that actually sometimes will help you kind of break on through. Like I was like, dude, my dad is obsessed with you. You probably yeah. like know his, he actually like knew my dad's name <laughs> when I mentioned oh. it, which I was like, oh my God, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> but, but, uh, but I just told him, I was like, yo, Lawrence, you were, you are like, I grew up listening to you. My dad used to bring your DVDs to my, to my grandma's house. Like, let me know kind of thing. And it works, you know? Yeah, because, ever have an experience like that? because it's personal and it's authentic and i think that's that that's the thing and i think you thought it was hilarious <laughs> yeah but you're right i think you're right you know i've sometimes got things come through and and they you know you know it's been just copied and pasted and your name's been changed or whatever it is and 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 those are the things you you're not going to break your back to necessarily respond to those you know what i mean and i think right. I think that's it. And I did. I remember once I sent some postcards out to to just try and get some work. Um, and I did write a little for each one. I wrote a little, you know, literally hand wrote on the back of the postcards, their name and a message and sent it. And when I finally got to speak to one of these, these kind of uh, it was like an art director at a, a magazine company or something. And he said, you know, it's so nice to get a, something through the mail and also something handwritten. It's sort of quite old fashioned format but he liked right. that personal touch and i think so i think yeah obviously it's not always practical or feasible but i, I it's certainly one way to get noticed i think is you sort of maybe make a bit more of an effort um yeah and tailor something so it's a bit more personal I mean, it's definitely a sense to that i think yeah absolutely that's good um one of the questions that i like to ask on the show and it's sort of a cliche question but it oftentimes brings up sort of interesting results yeah yeah um 
if you can go back in a time machine. <laughs> it's yeah. just like so corny to say, but it, uh, but yeah. sometimes I actually wish I had like a literal time machine. I can go back in time and tell myself certain things, you know, yeah. like, like don't worry so much about money, like you know, or yeah. you know, don't don't worry about like it's okay that you got fired seven times. It's all gonna yeah. work out. You're gonna have a podcast and it's gonna be great. Yeah, you yeah, talk yeah. to Ben and he's gonna teach you about illustration. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, like yeah. you could get in the time machine and go back and talk to yourself like maybe the first five years of your career give yourself some sound advice you know you you meet yourself in the street corner of like the lowest moment of your early career yeah yeah what are you going to tell yourself you do have those moments no that's a really good question actually that's a good question um yeah this is interesting because it taps into something that i was thinking about so i talked earlier on a little bit with my work because it's split into different there's some different things i do right so there's portraits that i do and then I also do these little scenes, but I also do like sort of animal stuff as well. There's a few th things that I do. And I think when you, you put the post on Instagram, you actually chose a really nice range of things, but it showed some of these different things. Um, and it used to really bother me that I had these different styles because ideally, really, as an illustrator, what you want is one unified visual identity. You know what yes. I mean? So when somebody clicks on your Instagram page or whatever it is, they can get a really good sense of who you are and what sort of work they're going to get if they're going to commission you. Right. So that's generally what you, you would recommend people do. But um, but I was always somebody that did different things. I was like that at university. I just it's just the way I am. And it used to bug me a lot. You know, when I first started, um, uh, it just frustrated me that I wish I could bring all this stuff together. So it was just one thing. And there were points actually where, you know, it was not good because I had maybe like five different styles going on. And I remember going to see an art buyer in an advertising agency um, and going through my portfolio and I couldn't even make sense of it, just describing the different styles to her. And you could see that she was sort of confused by it. So, <laughs> so it's definitely this not- This is triggering thing. me right now. I, I yeah, have yeah. had this exact experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's, but, but you know, so it's not a good thing, but um, it used to bother me a lot. Uh, but I hit a point, I think, where I sort of realized that I do do different things I mean, I've reined it in a bit, so I sort of pruned some stuff out that was distracting and confusing. But right. I sort of maybe got down to about two or three things that I do, kind of reined it in so it maybe, you know, has some shared characteristics. It looks like it's the same guy. Um, but the point I'm trying to get to is that I sort of hit a point where I, I realized actually in some ways having that versatility w was a strength because um, for various reasons, because it means on the one hand, you don't get bored because one week I might be doing portraits, the next week I'm doing these crazy animal characters for a kid's book or something. So you have that variety in your, in your own work, but also if one stream of work goes quiet, so for instance, if I'm getting le less portrait work, it might be that other stuff's coming in. Um, so I think it's allowed me to sustain a career, I think. So I would say perhaps, to, well, I would say to the younger me, which is your question, I would say, yeah, just don't worry about it so much. You know what I mean? This is just what you do and, and you just have to keep at it and hopefully try and bring it all together and whatever. So it's nothing to worry about. Um, I think with students, it's difficult. Or with people first starting out, you, I would say ideally, yes, you do need a kind of unified visual identity. So you want to be doing perhaps sort of one thing really, really well, and that's what you do. But as you go on in your career, I think it really, really helps to perhaps bring in some other elements. So if you're somebody that's drawing little people in scenes and stuff, maybe try doing some portraits and see if you can bring that in. And ideally, if you can uh, unify that all, so it all feels like the same sort of style, um, I think it's going to make you a stronger illustrator if you have 
perhaps a couple of different facets right. to work. Like don't get complacent are... and overly relying on one style kind of thing. Yeah, I think so. And I, I was thinking it's almost like an actor, isn't it? You know, if you think of actors with range, you talk about range, don't they? So you, an actor that can play lots of different parts. Obviously, right. you're going to get more parts. Some Christian Bale like type that. character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I like to think of it in a way like that. And I think, so I think there's some strengths to it. So yeah, I would tell myself maybe not to worry so much about um, about that. It's probably what I would yeah that's really good advice and and it's something that i've been really struggling with um it's it's funny because people have been saying recently like they'll be like you know the podcast seems like it's like doing doing really well and, and it is doing really well but fr from a professional standpoint you know like i i sort of felt like my career somewhat was starting sort of like starting to ladder up to something but i didn't know what my specialty was it, it always felt like jack of all trades master of none yeah, I'm the podcast yeah. guy and I talk a good talk, but my work doesn't yeah. really live up to that. But yeah. I now in COVID, I've had all this time on my hands and it's allowed me to invest more time. Like the studio that I'm in right now, this is just my portrait photography stuff that I kind of repurposed uh, yeah. for a podcast studio. Or, you know, like I, I applied for a whole bunch of jobs and didn't really hear from anything. So then I just went to the art store and just started drawing and then I got into digital illustration and I was talking um, with my wife about it the other day and she actually she's not in the design space but she brought up a really good point she had bounced from a couple different jobs uh, she's a music teacher and she what when she went to school or university as you guys say uh, mm -hmm. she played clarinet but she was not the best clarinet player yeah. And she struggled with that because people were like specialists and they were really good at certain things. They were just like the best violin player that ever did it. And yeah. she's her self-worth was kind of like wrapped up in this idea of like, I'm not an expert. I'm not doing these things. But when she applied for her dream job, which she now has and is doing, um, you know, she said it, it was that versatility and that sort of jack of all trades thing yeah. over time. Mm. broaden her skill set and she was actually a more viable employee because of it so you may so her advice to me was like you know you may never be the best you know your version of a clarinet player but yeah yeah as you grow those skills you actually can become a much more viable uh employee or, or potentially someone that someone's going to want to hire but yeah. there were years and years that went by that she just kind of was figuring it out and just chasing that curiosity you know yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's, you know, I can completely relate to that. And that phrase, Jack of all trades, Shout out to my wife. haunted me, I think. It sort of haunted <laughs> me for a couple of years that yeah. somebody said it, not it's about me, but they, you know, I thought, God, that's me, that's me. Um, so now I think, yeah, but I think that's it. I think the versatility, I think sort of accumulating skills, um, you know, maybe doing several things, you know, as long as you're doing them well. Right it's it's not necessarily a bad thing but that's it i i have found now like i would not swap this i would not swap m me doing a, f a couple of things for, for me just doing one thing i think i really like it the way i have it um and i think there's a lot of sense in that so yeah and with you you know and with you i think you know and i think part of it is you're in your 20s is that right or you, you yeah know, 20, i'm 29 about to be 30 yeah i mean i think part of it is that you have to explore you have to do that i think 
you know, you're a very enthusiastic guy, aren't you? And I think if you've got this enthusiasm for things, it's like me with illustration, I'm kind of interested in, I want to draw some animals and see how that pans out. Sometimes you just have to kind of follow these instincts and, um, and see where it takes you. Were there years uh, that went by that you like felt like you're just like totally wasting your time? Yeah, I mean, I did, I think you do, I think anybody in any career probably has these sort of crisis moments where you, you suddenly have doubts for whatever reason. I mean, I think right. I remember in about 2007, there was like the last recession. I, I knew there was a year, I'm ready for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was a 2007, 2008. I can't remember, it was when, the, when we had that sort of recession. Right. I remember having a real crisis because I think it actually it tapped into that sort of this identity crisis. Who am I? I think work had slowed down because it just, you know, work was slowing down all over the country, I think. So, right. um, and I remember that was a kind of real moment of doubt of thinking, am I doing the right thing? And is this sustainable? Um, and I think a lot of people in their, their careers, you'll have those moments. And I think we're probably a little bit there at the moment. I would think a lot of people obviously are, are having those doubts because none of us know what's around the corner. Mm. Um, we might be probably are going to be going into a recession, you know, so it's not easy, but I think those doubts are normal. I suppose that's my point. Um, right. I think if you, you know, I don't know. I mean, you seem quite passionate about what you do. And I think if you're Thank passionate you. about something, uh, it doesn't always get you through, but, you know you you at least have to give it a good go don't you you have to kind of yeah give it your all and, and hopefully things will come together i think that's the thing hopefully things sort of come together and uh, and you realize you have been on the right path you know what i mean yeah absolutely you do the design stuff mm -hmm. but is this the more interesting is this the stuff you're more passionate about or yeah i mean i i like talking to people but i definitely like um i don't know i i kind of struggle with it sometimes because I, I'm, I love finding inspiration from things and I love making things like I used to look at things and be like, I want to make something like that. And then I would just like go like smoke pot with my friends and like never learn how to do it. Whereas, yeah. whereas now I'm actually kind of learning how things are done and how things are made. And it's the, ins the, the taste level and the skill set level are, are like a, the skill set is finally starting to catch up with my my Pinterest boards, if you will, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I think that I do like the podcast. I think it's really fun. Um, but I also too want to be like a, uh, it's a pretentious word that's thrown around a lot these days, but I do want to be like a practitioner of sorts. I don't want to just like talk about it. Yeah, you, yeah. you know what I mean? Cause, cause so much of the curiosity is because I really do want to do things like, and, and, there will come a point, I think, where I'll have to have, like, a pick a lane, so to speak. Um, yeah. Something tells me down the road it might be photography. Photography is the thing that comes sort of naturally to me. Um, right. But illustration is sort of the thing. That's the thing that I want, you know. Yeah, it's, like, yeah. it's sort of like the painter who really wants to play guitar. Illustration yes, for yeah. me is, is, like, the thing that I really want to... It, really it'd be cool to do some kind of Sebi Curry type, you know, like some, yeah, some, yeah, yeah. I want to design like the cool kids kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 But I think what's good is if you have these, you know, if you think if you have also the ability to, to sort of do all this stuff as well, right? you know, in terms of sort of social media and promoting yourself, that's like a really good package, isn't it? So you can do yeah. the illustration, but then you can also have this other layer to it. Um, yeah which is great. I think people like that sort of, and people like to see you, you know what I mean? Like yeah. with my work, really generally people, no, nobody ever really sees me unless I do something like this. Um, 
But I think increasingly that's where the people are sort of hungry to perhaps know a bit more behind the scenes. And uh, so I think if you, if, you, if you have that capacity to sort of also do this kind of stuff as well, yeah, then that's a good, it's a good sort of package, isn't it? I've always kind of hit it actually, because initially I was like, you know, I'm, I'm facilitating conversations. This is an interview, but then over time I sort of, the, the, the podcast has become more conversational and there's a very, I'm aware there's a fine line to toe between like me self-serving and soliciting and then me being my truest self and then someone being like a kind of a fly on the wall. But I, I never know. I, I'm trying to operate without thinking about what people are going to say in like the comment section or whatever. Uh, it's easier yeah. said, it's easier said than done. And sometimes you kind of deserve it too. That's the worst. Right. Do you when get what you you get flack from people then do you get sort of negative stuff in the comments and not not really i've gotten a couple like annoying things like in like my dms or whatever but, but nothing really but i can tell with the rate at which the podcast is growing which is not like that crazy but yeah. i'm yeah. starting to get into the territory now where people think of it, it, there's because when you have like 300 followers people don't really say anything because they feel bad for you but like when it <laughs> when it starts to get past that and people think that you're they can't act like it seems yeah. like, like you're like a, you become like an entity people you're will say game. things yeah yeah you're yeah. fair game but also it's yeah and it's probably a mark of you have to maybe look at it as that it's a kind of mark of success maybe that you know yeah. once you point that you are going to get those maybe not so pleasant people that are going to say because that's just what they do and you, you just i get a lot of like stop interrupting kind of things and 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 if, if people only knew how much better i've gotten at that you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so there's there's sort of like a a, a personal growth that's happening but there's a lot of people who aren't necessarily seeing that growth. Like people who listened early on will yeah. probably would probably be like, wow, like, holy shit. Like he's come a long way from the beginning. But whereas yeah. people that are just coming for the first time are like, this motherfucker had this guy on this great illustrator. And the whole time he talked about his own journey. So I, I don't know. I, but then I think, I think what's interesting about like, interviewing is, is, is this skill again, isn't it? So, yeah. so you are learning like it's a whole lot. I wouldn't have a clue with sitting with somebody and interviewing. It's a real skill. And I think, you know you're going to have your own way of doing it maybe your way of doing it is you like you say you just are having conversation you talk a bit about you you talk a bit about them and that's your style or whatever it is you know but i think you know you, you are it's it's a medium isn't it and you've got to learn the sort of parameters of it and uh yeah. presumably that will get better as you go along but i think it's an interesting thing yeah yeah, yeah. i i made a kind of a uh and I, I don't I don't exactly know what this you, you ever like <laughs> this this podcast is really me just butchering um, things but I, I heard and and the problem is, is that I hear people say things in the podcast I go oh that sounds good I'm gonna I'm gonna throw that into my day-to-day -day conversation so uh, Ilya Milstein who you may know is a talented illustrator he uh, he turned me on to it's a it's a Faustian bargain which I think basically means like you make a deal with yourself in exchange for like something else, but like whatever. Yeah. yeah okay. Right. I think maybe who knows? Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm going to use yeah. it in that, in that context for this. I made sort of a Faustian bargain with myself that yeah. this podcast would be less about serving my own ego. Although that does not come across today, probably too, all too well, but it would be less about growing and getting a blue check and getting verified, getting verified. than it would be for, I want to be the saving grace that keeps people getting after it. So this podcast is not so much for somebody who's like well-established and is just like listening to it and like they're beautiful mid-century modern home. This podcast is for like the, the 20, 
three-year-old who's fresh out of college and just got fired and like you know has no money for rent and is like gonna get kicked out of their house and they're like i fucking hate this industry i'm never gonna work in this industry again these people are pretentious they don't give kids a chance and then they listen to this podcast and then they go like you know what like maybe i'll maybe i'll send another application you know but i think if you're in, yeah i mean that's the thing and i think if you've got a good intention yeah and you're trying to do something good as well i think that's the other thing i think that you know you, you, hopefully good things come from that you know i find that sometimes when i'm teaching you sort of you might not necessarily feel completely on your game or you're maybe not giving the best advice but i think people know when you are trying to help them you know what i mean and i think if yeah. that's the motivating force behind it um then then hopefully good things will, will come from that you know yeah when in your time teaching what are is there anything that you've recognized you know obviously there's like i think the people who really want to learn and have ambition and and they're serious about it you can't really teach that like a lot of it's genetics a lot of it is like social upbringing or whatever but mm. what are some of the the things that you see in young design students and people that want to get into the the field what are some of the things that you're seeing a lot of and then how do you then try and infuse your life experience and get them out of those self-defeating well, ideas sort of or, yeah i don't know it's tricky it's a tricky one that really i don't know i mean i think what i see a lot of maybe and maybe this is to do with creative personalities uh is a lot of self-doubt i mean you constantly mm -hmm. see that i think and i remember that as well and we were talking a bit about that and you have to try and just to sort of help bolster people's confidence and 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 um maybe be positive and, and try and get them to, to, to see what they're doing right. But, um, but do you mean like stylistically, what do you see a lot of, or are you, are you thinking more just in terms of mistakes people are making or? Well, I think that there's like the technical stuff and I try and like tell people this, it's like, you're not like, it changes so quickly and so fast these days that you're not really going to be able to get all of that at, at college or university. Uh, but I, I'm more talking about like the, the line between like encouragement but also like tough love. Sometimes I must yeah. feel like there's a little bit too much like coddling. Whereas yeah. I'm like, no dude, like it's hard out here. Like I, mm -hmm. I, I talk to everyone and like, I can't get a job. So if you're just going to be yeah. like, I'll never make it. Like, it's not a good, you know, it's so hard. That you're right. <laughs> and I think maybe that's where I fall down a bit because I think naturally uh, I always think I'm not so good at that sort of stuff where you're, you know being tough with people it's difficult i think my approach if i'm sort of with a student or something is i am trying to kind of make them enthusiastic and confident because i think there's a danger if you're too like it's really tough out there and just you know i think you can right you can steer people away from things i don't know but other teachers will have other kind of uh, uh approaches yeah but personally i would like to kind of i would try and sort of encourage people i think and, and focus predominantly on what they do well well this is like a it's a shit sandwich isn't it so you, you you're saying something good you're maybe then telling them the things that aren't working about their images or whatever it is and then you're saying something good again and I, I think it is important to kind of predominantly encourage and keep people positive yeah but also yeah i mean you can't lie i mean you have to point out things that aren't successful or aren't working or maybe they're dead ends people are going down but um yeah i've been thinking about, about this a lot because I, I just today I rewatched uh, the apartment, uh, the the old movie. I, I love that movie. It's a solid. Is that Jack Lemmon or uh, yes, Jack you, Jack Lemmon. I don't know if I've seen that. Is it you gotta watch it. Yeah, it's uh, 
and I watched that in my history of comedy class with Stuart Weinstock, one of the first guests on the on the show, the very first guest. I was still in school when it happened. Yeah. And he he's an interesting. And my wife is in education, so I actually think about these things a lot because she's. Yeah. My wife is is the the perfect blend of the disciplinarian teacher and the best friend encouraging optimistic and i think educators can do both but i remember um i was like a disenfranchised like art student who was just like hanging out with my friends but he uh stewart had this history of comedy class and we went all the way from like buster keaton all the way to like you know like national lampoon kind of thing and uh and i remember that that he had like a no tolerance for like lateness for for any like he was so such a stickler about things yeah and he was so like you will be at my class you will be on time i don't care what your other teachers say if you're if you're not here more than twice like you're failing my class i don't i don't care what the syllabus says like this is it you're adults i'm going to treat you like adults the people that you work for especially if you work in film are going to be really hard and relentless on you yeah like yeah. most most shoots you can't even miss like one day and or you're out. So this is the real world. I'm getting you ready for the real world. With that being said, I'm going to inspire the ever living shit out of you. So let's get into it. And I was like, oh god, this class is gonna suck. And and we uh we took a deep dive and he gave like historical and every, and every class was the same way. Every time it's like a three hour lecture and every class what and and i remember like even for like the breaks we had like a it was a three-hour class and we had a 15-minute break and it was like a hard line 15 minutes like lock the door kind of thing yeah, but yeah. by the way i need to get this guy back on the podcast he's the man uh it's, it's really kind of one of those cool experiences like in college like by the end of it i ended up like adoring this guy i just think that he's like the best and uh and i remember one of the things that he did for me and, and i've tried to do this in my own journey is he piqued my curiosity about things. He planted a seed. Mm. He didn't, you know, like it was like very academic. It was like well-informed, but he, he would make you just curious enough about something mm -hmm. and give you just as much of like a framework. And then he would allow you like, and then we'd be like on to the next thing, but he would be okay. so thorough in his teaching approach that yeah. it, like he would show us the apartment and like talk about screenwriting and like, and why it's so good. And then yeah. you'd be like, I have another question. It's like, on to the next thing. Let's go. And I just, I love that. And I I hope that I can do that for people as well. You know what I mean? In yeah. my own little ADD way here on the show. But I think that's <laughs> it. I think it's the enthusiasm. And I think if you're, you know, it sounds like your teacher was passionate about his subject. And I think if you are passionate about these things, then you, you sort of hope that you can inspire uh, people to to be, you know, to sort of explore or, or, or sort of look into these things more. Four years so. later, I'm still watching, you know, I'm, I'm watching like To Catch a Thief and, <laughs> and all these old yeah, movies. You know? Yeah, I must admit, I've recently thinking I've really, I want to sort of start watching more old movies. Uh, yeah. That's a Hitchcock. Is that a Hitchcock one? or, or To Catch a Thief is, yeah. uh, I, I know that um, North by Northwest and sure, uh, and charade is not a hitchcock all all those guys all kind of copied each other so it's kind of hard to tell yeah, yeah north yeah. by northwest i know is, is hitchcock rear no, window is hitchcock right. it looks so great sometimes i mean i've not watched a lot of hitchcock but i've watched some of the classics and the birds i think i only watched the birds like maybe five years ago or 
that movie I, fucked my mom up. My mom is like traumatized by that movie to this day. Uh, she watched it like way too young. Her parents were just like total like seventies parents and just like yeah, yeah, like watch this kid. We're gonna go drink in the other room. And she was yeah. traumatized by the birds. It's really dark. I mean, it surprised me how scary it was because I thought, no. oh yeah, it's like nineteen fifties movies. You know, it's not gonna be that full on. Um, and it's, it gets dark, but it looks so good. I could not believe how good that looks. I'll have to watch it again, actually. Because I'm going to be honest. I don't even really know what To Catch a Thief was was like. There were so many plot lines that I was missing out on, but it's just so yeah. beautiful. Like, it doesn't even matter. Just like yeah. like the the physical acting and the scenes and yeah. sort of those like old timey, like the terrible green screen or probably was just like a screen. Yeah. I don't even think green screens existed. One of the things I, I recognize, like especially in watching The Apartment today, is like that, that there, uh, spoiler alert, uh, and I know you're probably going to see it, but there, there's a, a lot of talk about like suicide in, in, in that. And I feel like movies back then, while there was a lot of like to catch a thief, kind of just like beautiful, like old school cinema, you know, they just like, went out to Paris and got hammered and shot movies kind of thing. But, but there are also like some of the topics that they cover are really like dark. Yeah. And I feel like they don't always necessarily like they would really tackle things. They would have like these comedies and all of a sudden it's like the main character tries to like kill herself. You're just like, whoa, like this is wow. so intense. But there was yeah. a, a maturity, I think, for the viewers back then. Like they yeah, understood right. that it was comedy, but it was also like a, a satirical yeah. cultural yeah. commentary, you know? Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe they're a bit harder. This is sort of slight, hard, slightly, you know, those older things is a kind of bit of a harder edge to them, maybe. Yeah. But, um, I tell you, I watched On the Waterfront. I'd never seen it. And I watched that for the first time last year. I need to watch that. Yeah, that's amazing. Brando, just like, just incredible. Really, really great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, you can't beat some of those classic movies can't beat it. especially with covid listen if you're on lockdown you know you might you might as well kind of have that yeah. divine escapism so dude this has been so much fun thank you for doing this uh where can people find you online what's the best place to get in touch yeah best place probably you know certainly commissioning work heartagency.com you can find my work on there and there's contact details on there also i've got my own website uh, benkirshner.co.uk um and my instagram as well so there's very a cool yeah well, but thanks thank so much rob it's been really fun it's nice to meet you likewise and, uh, what time yeah. is it there by the way because you know it's so funny i have the shades drawn over here it's 122 here in in, in new york oh, yeah. in the afternoon and it's, and i'm thinking to myself like it's nighttime but it's actually still very much so daytime here what time is it there yeah it's half six here so it's getting it's still getting dark quite early oh, okay here. Wow. So when I started talking to you, it was light out. So that's why the lighting got, <laughs> got really odd because suddenly it got dark and the light, the sort of dynamics of the light change. But yeah, they've, do, they've done some art, art directing on the uh, the other end there over there. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. I think it's probably uh, Friday night. It's like sort of beer time here. So yes. uh, we'll enjoy yeah. it. I'll live, I'll live vicariously through you. <laughs> <laughs> well, have a good day. Have a good rest of your afternoon. Peace. All right, take All right, it's high time I put this in there. It's been like 400 episodes. I'm so lazy when it comes to putting this in there. But if you enjoyed that episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. I greatly appreciate it. It helps me a lot. Uh, and recently, I've been putting a lot of effort into the YouTube channel, and it's coming a long way. I'm really proud of the uh, progress that I made with the YouTube channel, so go check it out. I'm uh, going to be putting a lot of more uh, visual-based content on there. Uh, that's all in the link tree. You can find all of the information for the podcast at meetthecreatives.org. Uh, and thank you so much for listening to this. Tell a friend. Oh, and, and by the way, uh, make sure that you're 
following the new Meet the Creatives TikTok account. Just search Meet the Creatives on TikTok and following along on Instagram. That's Meet the Creatives NY. Meet the Creatives NY. Uh, And I hope you have a good day. Okay, goodbye.